Hello and welcome to a very special Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dune Media. Today is August the 3rd, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. We are joined by the myth, the man, the legend, the sire of my co-host, Mr. James Kenzie. How you doing, buddy? Greetings. I'm doing great, and thank you, guys. I think this is cool. I would try to catch every episode of yours, and I'm very impressed and flattered to be uh, to be asked to be uh, part of the shindig. Well, if I can impress you, I can impress anybody. <laughs> I my that. standards are really low, <laughs> but the shirt is for you today. I did see that. It's specifically for you, and I want to I want to ask you about it for the listeners. His shirt says, "I identify as a conspiracy theorist. My pronouns are." Told you so. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite conspiracy theory? Wow. Mm. I don't know if I've ever been axed. Don't do that. that. You just opened a can of worms. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> you Fuck. betcha. How about um, this? How about this? Yeah. Do you need a minute to think? <laughs> I can't think at all. That's the prize, the main <laughs> issue. Um, there, there are several. The ones I get in most, most uh, lose a lot of friends over is my flat earth uh willingness to mm. to listen to flat earth people and kind of weigh, you know, I want either side to kind of give me something that's solid. Um, wow, that's a great, great thing. I think the Trump stuff going on now is is kind of drawing my attention in. The responsorial something going on on the left that's, uh, you know, potentially really bad. So let's indict Trump on something else. Nothing seems to be sticking. But it's, it seems like to be a reflex move. Every time something comes up, that's, that's the default move. Yeah, I guess that's what uh, separates uh, a conspiracy theory from not is uh, your ability to accept an event as a, as a coincidence. If something mm-hmm. is happening in tandem with another one uh, and there's not necessarily a, a nefarious reason on the surface why that's happening, say, for example, Trump mm-hmm. getting indicted after every, the day after a piece of bad news or something uh, defamatory coming out against Biden or the Biden family. Right. It's a lot of coincidences there, right? I was going to say, a yeah, coincidence here or there I can buy, but it it's just seems to be basically every time. Yeah, I mean, uh, president has, uh, former president has never been indicted. Trump is now indicted on his, on his third time. And after each time, it's been directly in correlation with something that's happened bad with Biden. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Conspiracy theory, not conspiracy theory. My favorite, uh, the one that's caught my attention right now and i'm doing just doing so much digging into that i never really have before is uh uh, john kennedy the assassination of john kennedy oh yes oh my goodness yeah when you said that the first thing that popped on my mind when somebody says conspiracy theory that's the first thing that that hits i'm not super educated on it but i get pieces here and there and go again we were not given the true story and then when you look into the general false flags where 30 years later china will admit they did something that was you know every country does this stuff but it's, you know, you're a nut job if you even question it. And now with the, you know, Alex Jones, he's a total freak. He's a, he's a off the wall wag. He's still right 10% of the time, you know, might yeah, be maybe, prov- maybe proven a year wrong. later or whatever. But yeah, I mean, even more, I'm just saying for me, for conspiracy theories, when I hear them, I listen to them. I just, in my mind, I discard or try to disprove about 90% of it comes to, to wash out. But that other 10% intrigues me. It's like, okay, I want answers to this stuff you guys can't answer. If it's all BS, great. Answer this 10% that, you know, doesn't seem to be validated. Right. As did did Obama you, kill a guy? I'm, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. You, uh, then you also see, like, the response, like, with Alex Jones is a good example. Like, even, you know, he's saying some crazy, crazy shit, but the response then is a, a lawsuit for a billion dollars that he lost, you know? Like, coming at him as hard as they possibly can to shut mm-hmm. this dude up and totally deplatform him, you know? Yeah, it's rough. 
Yeah. It's rough, right? Like, like, and then, and then the question is, you know, what questions can you ask? Exactly. Can, can you talk about the most heinous, egregious crime inflicted on humanity, which is the killing of children? Can you can you raise questions about that? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And it seems it used used to be back in my day that <laughs> uh, you know the government was suppressing things and speech and and you know like the Roswell stuff. We'll get rid of it right away. Well, you know, brush it under the rug, so to speak. Nowadays, it's almost societal. If you, I mean, there is more acceptance of conspiracy stuff, but there's also, when you when you say something, because of media and social media stuff, when you come out with something that you question, whether you believe 100% or not, like me with Flat Earth, do I believe 100%? No. Am I intrigued by it? Absolutely, because a lot of it makes sense. He's like 90% believes it, though. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I never did. And it's a shame, like the, the moon landing stuff, that and that, that's, again, at the, towards the top. Yeah. Uh, I was nine years old when the moon landing took place, right? Mm-hmm. And it totally, totally shaped the rest of my life. I got involved in technology and electronics and everything else. And today, that's to this day, that's exactly what I do. And that was the inspiration. So if, for me to even question it in later years was, I would have never, ever doubted. I would have thought you were crazy. You start to see some of the Kubrick stuff and deathbed confessions and, you know, background video or film taken back then. It kind of makes you go, huh? You know, do I believe 100% it was fake? No. But do I question it? Yeah, I would have never questioned it in the past. Well, and, and in order to question it, I think you have to, even if it's subconsciously, you have to leave open uh, some room in your head that you've been lied to. And that more often than not, it's the powers that be that have lied to you, right? That's kind of what a conspiracy is. Mm-hmm. And I think too many people are just too damn busy. <laughs> you know, they got too much shit going on. They got families and work and, and hobbies. Or, or and this proud. That. Or too proud. Or proud too. I, I'll admit that for sure. But I mean, to, just to, just to you know, it's a heavy thing to admit to yourself that you've been lied to by the people that you thought previously had your best interests at heart or were out to protect you. And the more you consume this information, or the more you ask questions, and then the questions lead you down different avenues where there's like few answers, but a lot of coincidences and a lot of things mm-hmm. that you have to just kind of take at face value. And people have been, you know, either silenced or you know murdered because they've asked these questions, you know, even talking about the JFK uh, assassination, you have to bend the truth so much in order to take what the government said at face value about what happened to, to John F. Kennedy. And, and a lot mm. of us have, and a lot of us have just kind of moved on from it and said, you know what, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. Or bend bullets. Yeah, exactly. And that's it, What exactly. have you found? You said you've been looking into it. I'd love to hear more about it. I love that conspiracy. So it started, it actually started, I, I had to go to Dallas for a conference. Oh. And I was sitting in my hotel room and I was like, huh. With this I, rifle and a scope. <laughs> 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 I happened to be staying at the uh, school book depository. It's real odd. Weird. Um, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was like, I was just looking to see where he had gotten uh, killed. And I happened to be like a block and a half away from him. Five oh, minute shit. walk. From the wow. grass so I was like, well, I'm here. I have to go check it out. Did you yeah. take the tours? Uh, there was somebody giving a tour and I kind of yeah. like, I kind of like edged along the side to kind of listen <laughs> to what he was saying. But it was just, for me, it was just so fascinating to be there. I was like, holy shit, this is it. And it's perfectly preserved. The building is still there. The street hasn't been changed. The overpass, no, nothing has changed from that day. It's still very much the, the same site. And so I started to get a little like itch about it and started to, you know, learn a little more information, look up, l- you know, look into it. What a whack job. <laughs> Don't question the official story. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what it was, right? Because I knew there was conspiracies, but I, I had no idea what they were about. So I watched the movie JFK by Oliver Stone. Need to see it still. Really good movie, great drama, 
to, to the extent, when I saw it, to the extent that it had any sort of historical value, I had no idea. Uh, but then I heard Robert Kennedy Jr. on a podcast talking about a book called The Unspeakable. And it was written by like a, a Catholic author, some guy who only wrote about Catholicism his whole life and then decided to write this book about the JFK assassination. Essentially, the book describes plausible deniability. If there was a conspiracy and there was more than one shooter, which it's almost certain that there was, that shooter probably had one degree of separation with the person above him who had one degree of separation with the person above him. So by the time it reached the top, nobody could connect anybody. Right, need to know basis kind of deal. Right, yeah. yeah. The overarching theory is that JFK was messing with the people who hold the real power in the United States, which is the security agencies in the military. And he was trying to destroy, I mean, his, his famous quote is, shatter the CIA into a, a million pieces and scatter it in the wind, right? He hated the CIA. He hated how much power they had over him and the covert operations that they could run and undermining his uh, administration. And he, he was very uh, vocal about pulling out of Vietnam and creating peace with Russia. He was on a, a, a track with peace with Russia after the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the theory is that this guy was, uh, you know, at odds with the powers that be, with the money that was flowing in, and uh, a couple one-two people high up made a decision, but not really made a decision. They just kind of, you know, kind of said, hey, wouldn't it be nice if this guy was gone? Because <laughs> yeah. if he wasn't, look what's going to happen, uh, right? So very, very much like there wasn't any official... Didn't have to be spelled out. Yeah, do th- yeah exactly. And so... It made its way down, and when you look at the coincidences of who knew who and who was working with who, and Jack Ruby was very, was very much involved with Oswald, mm-hmm. there's almost zero chance that there was one shooter. There's almost zero chance that he could have taken the shots that he took from the angle that he was at and the time that mm-hmm. he was supposed to have taken them. The bullet wounds from the president's head are almost, it's almost certain that shots were coming from the front of the car and not from the back of the car. Isn't there a picture too? I, I can't remember. It's not Truman that took over for him. I, I can't think who the fuck it was, but like a picture of that guy as Johnson. Jackie Kennedy Johnson. Is Jackie Kennedy standing there with blood like on her clothes still? Because they had to swear Johnson in like pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. And he's like smiling and like winking at a CIA official that's in the picture. I've seen that. Interesting. No, yeah. I, I don't I don't remember that. I, I know what picture you're talking about. Well, he's taking the oath of office. On yeah. Air Force One, and yeah. Jackie Kennedy refused to take her clothes to, to change her clothes because she wanted the world to see what, what they did to her husband. It's mm. also possible, I guess, that Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone shooter. Bill O'Reilly writes a book, uh, uh, Killing Kennedy. And he makes a decent argument that he was the lone shooter and he was the only one, and he, you know, he wanted to be a great man and show the world his prowess and this, that, and the other. But it ignores too many coincidences. It's it's fascinating. Have you seen the uh, close up version of the Zapruder film? Oh yeah, where the where the driver turns around and rattles a shot off. I've never noticed it, but when it's pointed out, and you you see the the original Zapruder film as opposed to potentially you know CG stuff, it looks like he, the driver leans over his left shoulder or oh, his right shoulder with his left hand and puts one in his head. Really, which explains why he had shot holes in the front and got splattered on the trunk, etc. Too. Yeah, and wasn't there someone on the knoll too that looked really sketchy? I don't know, but very possibly. Yeah, I, think I've seen I, the I, rec- I recommend reading the book, The Unspeakable. It goes, okay. it goes in depth. It's not, it, it's everything that it's talked about is official. For whatever that's worth. Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah. Exactly. Great, because yeah. what's official is that there was a, a lone gunman. But what I mean by official is that it, 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 it doesn't take like Substantiatable. Opinion. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, it's very much, you know, written word or, or testimony from this person or that person. Chris Nolan might scratch your itch, Frank. Chris Nolan. Yeah, at the end of, uh, he likes to like tease what his next movie is at the end of, of movies. 
mm-hmm. with like a little subtle hints and stuff like that. Uh, at the end of his movie Tenet, he talks about Oppenheimer. At the end of this movie, JFK's name is dropped. Oh, interesting. And a lot of people online think that his next film is going to be a, you know, JFK biopic kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, it, and, and I would love it. I would love it. I think that'd be awesome. The JFK movie that Oliver Stone made it has a lot of similar facts with the book that I read. It kind of goes hand in hand. Mm. So I, th- I think there's a, a decent amount of historical uh, accuracy to the movie. It's a long movie. It's like three and a half hours long. It's crazy long. Damn. Very well done. And then you have to ask, you have to ask the question, why does the CIA or why does uh, the president continue to kick the can down the road, not release the information they're supposed to, still keeping documents classified, or if they're not classified, they're heavily redacted. Well, you know what? That, that kind of ties into the, uh, the whole alien thing that's been denied for years. If aliens don't exist, why does every president every year have an alien briefing? That wouldn't be necessary if there weren't aliens. That's like on the books that they yeah, have those? Yeah. Every oh. year he goes, he's briefed on this, that, and the other thing. Then Obama talked about it and what he could talk about and can't talk about. It's like if there weren't a, any kind of alien or even call them non-human because I'm not sure if they're necessarily from outer space, as we've been told, or they could just be from from other parts of the world that are connected to us that we're not we don't know about or aren't willing to accept. Now we're talking ice walls. Ice walls, yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, there's some Admiral Byrd stuff that's like, why would he lie back then? Why was he like basically censored after he came back from his uh, South Pole trips and stuff? And and the NATO agreements and all the stuff that ties into that. We, we can go that direction. I'm just saying across the board. It's almost like the phrase, are you familiar with the phrase Oakham's razor? Sure. Okay. And it's almost like that is, if you apply that to almost any conspiracy theory, the official story is just so hard to, so many lies upon lies upon lies. You know, if we told this lie, but now if we get called on it, how, you know, what are we going to do? We just got called. Okay, let's say this. Let's say it's such a buildup where the simplest solution usually is what happened. I would agree with that. Oh, we can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Oppenheimer yet, Frank? I haven't. I haven't seen any. It's hard to get to a movie. Yeah, especially a three-hour long one. Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah, it's good. Fantastic, man. I'm, I'm a Nolan stan, as you know, but... The way he tells the story from pretty much from Oppenheimer's eyes, you know, and the, which obviously then goes into like his internal struggle mm-hmm. if there was one. But then also his communist ties and how how much the government was really like cracking down, looking into him, possibility of even murdering associates of his, you know, to either cut his ties with the possible, you know, communist party and a lot of other things. But it's it's Nolan does a fantastic job with with telling the story, the cinematography, just the whole thing. It's beautiful. Go see an IMAX. I can't recommend that highly enough. But I was very, very impressed with that movie. I've heard I've heard nothing uh, to tell me that you're wrong. Everything's been just glowing reviews of the movie. Well made, well acted. Uh, I heard Robert Downey Jr. kind of steals the show. Fantastic. Yeah, he was he was great in it too, man. Yeah, I, I don't want to give too much away, but check it out. How does it end? the ending sequence actually the end of that movie is my second favorite nolan ending i I can't you can't get any better than inception because it's just it's the ultimate cliffhanger make you think what the fuck happened but the end of of oppenheimer it's a conversation with him and einstein that's all i'll say but it's it's great Hmm. it's it's fascinating and and just to see what that man created uh from the science of the times and then the ultimate destruction that his invention could lead to someday is just fascinating to think about and and was it right was it right to end the war and 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 u.s soldiers dying for the exchange of killing three hundred thousand plus innocent people to make a point the answer is yes the answer is always yes you think so yes man it's if you're the president of the united states you can't answer for a couple more hundred thousand more american lives because you had a, a weapon that you chose not to use 
uh, the answer is always yes. We write the history though because we won. You know, it's think about what it did to them. I mean, I guess we did rebuild their entire country. Yeah, was, was there any other option? There was there no was. other option because they weren't going to give up. Right. There was, no, and we knew that it was going to cost hundreds of thousands of more American lives if yeah. we decided not to use the bomb. But the whole point was to design it before the Nazis did and to wipe out the Nazis. And then once once they weren't a factor anymore, it's like, did we have to do that? Because the whole world versus Japan. We know how that would have gone eventually. I know Okinawa and all those battles were, were ridiculous and, and the way they were fighting, they were they were fighting for honor and not going to give up, but we would have won the war. I will agree that we pushed Japan into their position for not surrender. Our conditions were from the onset, total, complete surrender, unconditional surrender. That was before we had atomic weapons. Right. The Japanese were meeting to discuss surrender. And then that day we bombed Nagasaki. And that's what ultimately ended the war. But I mean, to think of the lives that could have been saved if we even waited a day is, is wild. Yeah. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Uh, well, I have a, a little bit more lighthearted uh, <laughs> before we get into more dark stuff. Um, uh, we posed a question uh, What uh, do we think is the most popular beer in the United States? When I say popular, I mean, the percentage of people who have a positive opinion of the So beer. not necessarily sales. Not how much it's sold, not how, many, okay. how much people drink it, but how much people like it compared to other beers. Hmm. Okay. And I'm looking at the list. There's no surprises here in terms of like brands or beers. It's all kind of your run-in-the-mill beers. What do you guys think? I'm curious where Dos Equis came in. Dos Equis did not crack the top 20. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a surprise. I'm not a beer guy. It's not like my favorite. I'm just, I just like saying it. Kind of gives me the Hispanic feel. Broadens my audience. Is that, is that, is that the easiest Spanish words for you to pronounce? Dos <laughs> <laughs> You can't sure. fuck it up. No, my, right, uh, right. My guess would be now that Budweiser has fallen from grace, Coors Light. Yeah, that's, that was mine. The number yeah. one selling beer in America right now is Modelo, and it's the hmm. seventh most popular beer in terms of favorability. Okay. Delicious beer. Wow, that's Fan. weird that the that the market the favoritability versus units sold has that been much of a disparity. I would have thought it'd been a little bit closer. You know, number so one versus seven. They're number seven. Yeah. Number six is Budweiser. Number five oh. is Blue Moon. Huh. Number four Samuel Adams Boston Lager. Number three Heineken. Number two Corona, and number one actually surprises me, but it's like a a runaway. Guinness. Oh, really? Guinness is the most popular beer. Weird. In America. I am a fan of bars. I, I like to get a pint of Guinness or <laughs> a pint of Guinness and then get like a shot of whiskey. Take a little sip of the of the Guinness and drop it in there. You get like a real nice uh like whiskey oak Guinness taste. It's it's very nice. Do Highly enjoy Guinness. Do enjoy Guinness. Okay. Well that was fun. Let's talk <laughs> about uh And we're back. Let's talk about Trump. I feel like I have to. I don't want mm-hmm. to. I've said it before on the show probably a hundred times. I don't want to talk about Donald Trump. I'm forced to talk about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, he was indicted for a third time two days ago, uh, expecting a fourth here sometime soon in Georgia. And this is about January 6th. So this is supposed to be the indictment. This is supposed to be the one that brings him down. This is supposed to be the most damaging. As has everyone prior. <laughs> Correct. But I think this one, I mean, so he was indicted for Stormy Daniels payments, whatever. The one about the documents is pretty damning, uh, only because he's like on video, like basically admitting to the charges. So that, that's not great. But I think once they found the Biden ones, they kind of had to squelch that one. Maybe, maybe. Good for the goose, good for the gander, doesn't apply. Yeah. It doesn't apply because there's really no semblance of fair application of law here, like at all. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. But this this indictment has to do with 
it's tricky. It has to do with like behavior and speech. So the indictment is about 45 pages long and it's supposed to be an indictment that not, not that Donald Trump lied about losing the election or that the election was stolen from him. It was that he knew that the election wasn't stolen. He knew he didn't win the election, yet he perpetuated these lies anyway. That is the criminal charge here. That's what they're having to prove. They're going to have to prove that they knew he knew that he didn't win. However, Frank, if it's, if it's just speech and his opinion that he's you know using his platform to get out there, isn't that a violation of the First Amendment? Even if he is stating his opinion, I got robbed, you know, it was rigged, blah, blah, blah. That's free speech, no? Yeah. And, and I don't know which takes a bigger precedent here because this is, this is all unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Right. But the president of the United States is immune to breaking the law in his official capacity as president, right? Trump is famous for saying he can go into Times Square and shoot somebody in the face and he won't, he won't get in trouble for it. If he did that, that would not be un, in his official capacity as president. But I think you can make the case very clearly here that he could have thought, if we're talking about what he's thinking, he could have thought that the election was stolen from him. If he thought that there was fraud in the 2020 election, then he would be acting in his official capacity as president to talk to electors and say, Mm -hmm. you need to check this out and you need to check that out because I think that this election was not conducted Mm -hmm. fairly for the American people. Um, And I think right right then and there, you know, this thing falls apart. I'm not the only one. Uh, There's a from the Wall Street Journal to the New York Times, everybody is saying that this is very shaky uh, in terms of uh, a legal ground. There's not a whole lot here that, that, that they can go on because it has to do with dishonesty, fraud, and deceit. And so if you're going to push this indictment with any sort of hope that you're going to convict the former president, you would have to have concrete evidence that you, that you know, that we know, that he willingly lied to the American public because he knew he was telling lies or that his coercion for Mike Pence to overturn the election via the, the uh, certifying the electors in Congress was a breach of American law because he knew he was doing it only to hold on to power. Now, you might think that about Trump, uh, and you might even think, I think a lot of people, both right, left, and center, think that he didn't act very statesmanlike on January 6th or afterwards. But that doesn't matter because that's not against the law to act unstatesmanlike. Mm-hmm. Moreover, there's a 24-minute video I have here that I'm not, I'm not going to play, but it's 24 minutes of both uh, elected, formerly elected, and unelected Democratic politicians claiming, in no uncertain terms, that the 2016 election was illegitimate, that the election was stolen from Hillary Clinton, and that he was not a rightful president. And by the charges of this indictment here, you could round up all of those politicians indict them. And then if Trump happens to get convicted, then you can convict them for thinking the wrong thing or saying something that wasn't necessarily true. Do you think that like the fact that the Capitol riots happened would be the main difference here between like obviously freedom of speech, but then if you lead to the conspiracy to overthrow government or an election, that would be the differentiating factor. About a minute into this video, of all these Democrats saying that the election in 2016 was stolen, is Hillary Clinton herself saying that the uh, uh, Russians um, have a plant inside the White House, that Uh. Donald Trump was put in the White House by Russians so that they could control what happens in America, a lie that is perpetuated by Hillary Clinton, a lie that was started by Hillary Clinton, and this is fact. So if this 
indictment turns into a conviction by the very same standard when Republicans, if Republicans ever do happen to get the white, get back the White House and have control of the Department of Justice, then they could go after Hillary Clinton and they could throw her in jail a whole heck of a lot easier than they can throw Donald Trump in jail. Which he could have done in his first term, assuming he had a second term. I think he held off to second term so his, his swan song would be cleaning the house. I think he waited too long. I think was, it broke was a confident. lot of Republicans' hearts that he did not act more decisively in his capacity as president right. to yep. prosecute actual crimes that had happened, right? We went, we had a whole show dedicated to the fact that the Obama White House spied on the incoming president and his staff. And this is fact, right? Like this is not, we're, we're past conspiracy here. This, this is well-known fact. This is like letter of the law fact here. And so you're, what you're doing is you're opening up this can of worms. Now, I, Al, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we've kind of had this sentiment before. Like, if you're going to throw Trump in jail and you're going to throw Hillary Clinton in jail and you're going to start rounding up politicians and you're going to start you're going to start punishing this kind of behavior, I'm all for it. Throw them all in jail. Amen. I love it. Yeah. Amen. I love it. But if you're not, if you're going to if you're going to very clearly uh, stick it to one side, yeah, yeah, then obviously there, there's no equal application of the law here. And if Republicans had any backbone, they would. <laughs> and therein lies the problem. <laughs> well, well, here's what they would do, right? They, they, they would use the power that they had and they would do the exact same thing or even a little bit further. And you might be thinking, well, that's inflammatory, Frank. That does nothing to heal the nation. Well, I'm not concerned with healing the nation right now because if one side is going to uh, 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 apply the law in this way, in such an unfair way as to... I mean, let's face it, these indictments are going to determine the election. And, and do we want that, right? So, And, if, well, and that's the impetus behind, behind the whole thing. They, the left's got to know that there's a pretty good chance none of these things are going to stick, but each one's an extra little pin in the board. So when the actual election comes down, all this stuff can be rehashed. You know, there's, there's never been a guy indicted 43 times before, even once, let alone 43 times. Bad, bad, bad. It, it's just a, a quantity thing, more, more of a character slam than it is a, a really with a hope to... They would love to him to get convicted, obviously. They got to know it's not going to happen. Well, yeah, but this, I mean, we were just talking about, you know, JFK. This is a much cleaner assassination of a politician. And we were just talking about atomic bombs. There needs to be mutually assured destruction that if the, if the left, if Democrats are going to do this to Republicans, they need to know it's going to happen to them equally or, or greater. That's the only mm -hmm. deterrent here. It's oh, truly the only deterrent. Be, or, or else you, or else this wouldn't happen because it's unnecessary. But historically, that that hasn't been the case. The the right being spineless, the right uses the excuses. Well, we're not going to play from their playbook. We'd be just as bad as them. When the truth of it is, they're too they're too much pussies to do it. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the truth. Be, because there is a, a time and place for the indictment of politicians, and it needs to be reserved for those crimes that are so great. Call me Kilpatrick. <coughs> <coughs> Those crimes that are so great that deserve this amount of attention. But now the floodgates are open, right? So we're on a third, waiting on a fourth out of Georgia. That will be four indictments that the former president is fighting while he's campaigning for president. Isn't it interesting that you can run for president with four indictments against you, but if you have a felony, you can't vote? That's hilarious, actually. <laughs> That's I saw really that funny. tweet yesterday. I think it Plies, the, the rapper, posted that, which is it's actually pretty astute. But Plies? Yeah. It's pretty, pretty wild to think about, but... I think it's their only chance, if, if they're actually really going to run Biden, that they're, they have any shot they're of not running. running Biden. Yeah? Who, they're not running Biden. What happened? Do they take him out then? Does he, does he no, die? He, he hasn't even officially uh, registered yet. You have to register to run. Or, I'm with or old Jimmy Boy. I, there, there's no way he runs. 
Really? There's they need no to make way. a decision. The election well, is next year. Here's my whack job conspiracy thought on the whole thing. Who couldn't be beat from the left if they ran? Who could not lose? Obviously Kamala Harris. Gavin. Be because, of, well, <laughs> Gavin possibly. I, you guys are going to really think I'm nuts. I still think Obama is the president right now. He's calling all the shots and Biden's a puppet, and that was part of the deal they had early on. You know, you, you go along with us quietly for a few years, and we'll give you the, your shake, your shot at it. I honestly think, and this is going to sound totally crazy, with the media support and our societal normalization through incrementalization of what is acceptable and what is normal, honestly, I don't think Michelle Obama could be beat. I well, agree. We've said that before. Yeah. Have yeah. you? Mm -hmm. I don't think she could be beat. Yeah. Be what, what a weird take that is on us. I, I think know. the U.S. is ready for a woman president. I don't know if Michelle Obama is the right answer, but I think it'd be it'd be a refreshing breath of air. And that's part of the problem. It's they're ready for a woman president. Not who's going to do the best job. Sure. Male, female training. I don't care. I want the best. That's why when I thought, you know, getting Trump, I wasn't a Trump fan. But again, I was one of those people that won't vote for Hillary and I'm going to vote. Therefore, I voted for Trump. I, I thought his his thing on the, uh, what was it, The Apprentice? Was that the uh, that was that his show? show? Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. show. I just thought he's pompous, arrogant, East, East Coast kind of attitude, which I have. That and you're feel. right. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, still, to me, a, a business guy, kind of like Reagan was a movie star. He wasn't a politician. And he had his, his goods and ups and downs. I thought a business guy, that's why I voted for Ross Perot back in the 80s, I guess it was, because he was a business guy. I thought, you know, that maybe that's how the country needs to be handled. I think Trump did a bang-up job on a lot of stuff. Did he make mistakes? Yeah. I'm a pro-gun guy big time. I think Trump fucked that up for us. But overall, I think he, he our country was in a much better shape then than we are now. So to me, it's I don't really give a damn of gender, religion. I mean, if they got a Hindu woman in there, Hindu tranny woman in, and she could run the country great, I'm all for it. But I'm not going to vote for somebody just because they're black or just because they're a woman or just because sure. I want the country taken care of. That's just me, evidently. Someone who I really like to watch speak, and I, she doesn't have the votes to, to, to make a run yet, at least, but... Uh, you guys familiar with Tulsi Gabbard? Mm -hmm. She's excellent. She's she served in the military, and she thinks that any sitting president should should serve in the military and should be required because then you're more aware of the decisions you're making and who they really affect. Uh, I love that aspect of her, but she's she's like pretty. I mean, she's conservative, but she's pretty neutral on a lot of things. I, I like a lot of the things I've heard her talk about in the past. She goes on Rogan every like once a year or so, and they're always great. Interviews. And being that she's so even keeled, kind of rules her out. She's also gorgeous, but yes. Oh, <laughs> now that I'd vote for somebody because they're hot. Yeah, sure. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of times I, I get frustrated that uh, we get caught up. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about us, but just in general, we get caught up in presidential politics and who's going to be the next president. And it, it, it matters so much to us. And I, and I think it should matter a whole heck of a lot less. I think it was designed to matter a whole heck of a lot less. And, and it sort of takes away from, I think, news that should be more important to everybody. And something happened this week that, to me, was like biggest news of the year. Uh, and I haven't heard anyone talk about it. And that is the, the Fitch uh, Ratings Agency downgraded the U.S. debt from AAA to AA+. Plus. Hmm. And that is huge. Yeah, do tell. I don't, what does That's that mean? That's massive. That's ridiculously, ridiculously massive, mostly because we hold the uh, the most debt by far. Our yeah. national debt right now is $32 trillion. The reason that's big is, I mean, the reason that they downgrading us is big is because we hold so much debt. So that means now our debt has been rated lower for, for the first time that I can think of. I don't know. This may have happened, but definitely not in the, in the last hundred years. 
that our that our our debt has taken a downgrade. And uh, some people, I'm, I'm reading from an opinion journal right now, in the, or opinion article in the Wall Street Journal, think that a AAA rating is pr- is probably too is too optimistic, uh, given our our financial outlook. This here is from the uh, the Fitch Rating Agency. The rating downgrade of the United States reflects the expected fiscal deterioration over the next three years, a high and growing general government debt burden, and the erosion of governance relative to AA and AAA rated peers over the last two decades. That is manifested in repeated debt limit standoffs and last minute resolutions. Talking, of course, uh, of the debt ceiling in the United States, where every time it comes up, Republicans say, we're not going to stand for this. And the Democrats say, yes, you are. And then everybody at the very last minute, you're heartless if you don't. Yeah. And yeah, it's a big show. It's, it's, it's all for, for, for show. And then at the last minute, everybody wants to save their phony baloney jobs. So they sign the paper and the debt ceiling is raised. Nobody not one person, particularly conservatives, because you're supposed to be fiscally conservative, you're supposed to be uh, financially responsible, uh, or at least that's what you claim to be, nobody cares about fiscal conservative. There's not one politician in Washington that cares about fiscal conservatism. This has been talked about for decades. I mean, this has been a problem that's been talked about for decades and decades and decades and decades. But now we're borrowing at a rate that is so extraordinarily high uh, and we are lending so much money and our debt is, it's like astronomical, right? And it, that, that doesn't matter uh, until we can't make the payments or until our debt is downgraded, which it is. Not to mention uh, that I think this week or next week is when the, uh, the new BRIC currency- I was just gonna is, say. Yeah. Is starting up. So, so our, our dominance in, in, uh, in the dollar is going away. Oh, digital currency too. This, this isn't to say that, uh, that this is like a, a magic eight ball and that, that we're looking down the barrel of a gun here or anything like that, but it's not good. Like it's just not good. And nobody seems to care. Like it, it just, I, I, I can't envision a future where we don't continue to spend money where we don't like where, where federal spending, government spending is just shot up. And, and, and it sucks because it's, it's both sides. It doesn't matter who's in power. Well, right. It, it, it's kind of the thing we talked about before. It's kind of the incrementalism of the left and the spinelessness of the right. They want to increase our, our debt, hypothetically, $16 trillion they, they request. And they go back and forth and they put on the big media show and everything else. And the Republicans say, not another dime, not another dime. The left doesn't expect to get $16 trillion, so they end up settling at $12 trillion and everybody's made peace. Both sides can declare they won when the American people lose. And while the American people are held to their own debt, they have to pay their mm-hmm. credit card bills, they have to pay off houses and student loans and all this other stuff, while our government's debt continues to just mount and mount and mount. Amen. It, it doesn't make any sense. The people, like you've said it before, they don't give a fuck about us, Frank. They don't. They certainly don't. Uh, the United States uh, national debt is more than double the amount of the next country, which is China, at wow. 14 trillion. I don't know how accurate those numbers are. And compare the population of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the 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 ratio of GDP to gross domestic product is at a well. They, okay. So they, they take in they take in three trillion more uh, in China than they than they than they spend. Uh, the United States GDP is 27 trillion, which is the highest in the world, but compare that to 32.6 trillion in national debt. Um, we are outspending ourselves by a high, high clip. Public debt to GDP ratio is 91%, um, which isn't bad. I mean, globally, uh, Japan is pretty bad at 300%. Jesus. Yeah, it puts a damper on things. This is not good. I mean, I, I, if you if you want to shit your pants- Oh, and I up, do. <laughs> look up the national- At my age. The national debt clock. 
uh, and you'll be able to see just how much how much debt we have, how much debt is uh, climbing per second. Um, our debt per citizen, this is if we amortize the national debt per every citizen in the United States, is $97,000. So we're all responsible for $100,000 of our own country's debt. That's not good. <laughs> not good. Well, in your opinion, is there and is it reversible at all, or are we staring down the proverbial gun that you just dismissed with prior? I don't see any hope. I don't see any hope. Nobody, nobody wants. I, it, I think it was Reagan that said, like, I'm paraphrasing here, but like, if you want to kill your your campaign, talk about entitlements. This, as soon as you bring up taking things away from people, maybe not even from you or I, touching Social Security, touching Medicare, touching Medicaid, Welfare, any of that yeah. stuff, reforms on any of it, then you're dead in the water. What 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 is the trend, what is the continuing trend, is that we want to give more to the American people, but, but people don't seem to understand that. We don't just pull money out of thin air. Right. The money that the government spends is your money. They don't make money. They don't generate revenue. They're not for profit. All they do is take money and spend money. That is the oh, government. Oh, you just job. print more, Frank. Come on. Don't you know <laughs> basic economics? Correct. <laughs> yes. You print more. I mean, and, and, and you need to print more. Like Printing money isn't a bad thing. If you do it responsibly, that's how you grow the economy is through debt. Of course. I mean, that's just, that's capitalism 101. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to go into debt in order to make money, in order to grow the economy. Yes. But you have to have a control. You have, can't just open the floodgates and cross your fingers. Correct. You can't just wipe student loan debt just off the face of the earth. You can't just, you, right? You can't, you can't just flip a switch. And what frustrates me is that the population seems to be so glib about all of this with, with no intention of trying to educate themselves further to know what sort of bad situation they're in. I saw something, uh, I'm getting a little tangent here. I saw something really interesting that uh, Gen Z, the youth, the Not youth. Gen Z, Gen Z. Gen Z. Uh, correct. Young males are by far and away more conservative mm. and young females are by far and away more liberal. I think that's a really interesting dichotomy. Uh, it just made me think of that right now. But but it it just it just seems like there's no there's no interest to say, oh hey, we're fucked. We should probably change our behavior, starting with myself, so that we can unfuck ourselves. Uh, but it, no, it just seems to be I want more, and it seems to be the people who are leading us say, here, let me give you more. I'd be so interested to see a comparison, maybe over the last 100 years or whatever, between the left and the right, and like sitting presidents and who has contributed more to raise, you know, like as far, who has spent more money and contributed to raising the debt. Be interested to see, because I'd have to think that like conservative, when when there's conservative politicians in the in the Oval Office that they- uh, They spend the most. They spend the most on like, you know, uh, on the army, on the armed forces. But um, when there's a liberal president, I'd have to assume that they're spending the same, you know, maybe decreasing those funds, but then spending, you know, even more on, you know, welfare and all these social, other public social programs because they, they love to throw money at to try to fix problems, but not actually fix the problems. So I'd be so interested to compare the two parties and see who's really contributed most to our debt. And Yeah, but the Congress is, is the one that ultimately decides where our money is being spent. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily the president, but the, pre the Trump, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what Biden's numbers are right now, but Trump spent the most of any president ever. I thought Biden broke that with all he this Ukraine spending. Yeah, I mean, he might've broken it with the, with the stimulus package that he, he signed his first year. I don't know. But I mean, the money that Trump spent, we saw a direct effct on the U S economy and jobs and all Correct. of that. Plus you got to adjust it. I mean, 
million dollars today is worth a lot less than a million dollars was in the 50s. Yeah. So it's all got to be weighted. I'm curious as to what, uh, if you look at, you're talking about the demographics of uh, Gen Z and yes. the uh, political ver uh, liberal versus uh, conservative stance. I'm curious to see where the crossover takes place as people age, the, the migration towards conservatism. It's like when you're, uh, you know, 18, 19, 21 years old to early 20s, you tend to be more uh, liberal-minded and freedom and, and equality, this, that, and the other thing. And then you start to pay property taxes and all the other taxes that come, you start to look at your check in your mm -hmm. 30s and 40s, there's a sway towards conservatism saying, hey, this is, you know, this is crazy. And I'm sure there's something that goes back the other way. I just, I would love to see those stats at, at what age does it start to swing and does it truly swing more towards conservatism right. than does liberalism? Yeah, no, that is, uh, that would be interesting to look at. So you get a taste of the real world and your perspective changes. Oh yeah. I remember when I got my first, uh, my first commission check <laughs> and then I saw how much they took out of it. <laughs> I remember going to my boss and he was like, yeah, so you, you can see where I'm coming from now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I can yep, for sure. 40% yep. tax on a commission check is not, it's like, well, I think it was like actually 46, 47%. It's like close to You live in California, so you even have higher taxes than most of the country too. Pretty rough. <laughs> You know, he moved to New York, though, Dad. That a boy. Yeah. He went from one shitty gun, st gun state <laughs> to another shitty gun you state. You bet. <laughs> you bet. I am a glutton for punishment. Um, Lizzo is a glutton, and Ooh. she is in hot water. The Grammy But she displaces a lot of water that she's in. She tends to. <laughs> she's, like, we can make jokes about this. She makes jokes about it. You brought up something uh, before the before we started recording today, uh, Jim. That I that I, I think is going to apply here. So before we get into what Lizzo did, I'll explain uh, real quick that uh, some of her performers uh, that I've went on tour with her, they're all big women, and that is by design. She picked all big women, and then now they're suing her for uh, harassment. And part of that harassment suit is uh, that, that they've been fat shamed or weight shamed. Reverse employment discrimination. That's weird. I think, I think mm -hmm. that's hilarious because you, I think if you get any group of people together based on that group of people, they, that's the first thing that happens is they make fun of each other for it. Like, like, I think I've told you this, Al, but, but the truest thing in my life is that the most racist person uh, is a Mexican person talking about another Mexican person. <laughs> They're the worst, but it's hilarious because it's their own group. It's more self-deprecating than it is anything. So when I saw this, I was like, that's, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't know exactly what happened, um, uh, but it just seems that like you get a bunch of people that are oh, all like, of the same ilk yeah. like that. That's going to happen. People are going to talk shit about each other. Wasn't there others? There's some other shit though. In oh, strip there's clubs way. That they were making oh, them do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, outside of the fat shaming stuff, uh, they all, apparently they all took a trip to Amsterdam and they were in the red light district and they went to one of these bars that if you know anything, if you've been to, like Hong Kong and TJ, the ones with the reinforced bar stools. <laughs> Um, the lawsuit states that in Amsterdam, things quickly got out of hand. Lizzo began inviting cast members to take turns touching the new performers, catching dildos launched from the performers' vaginas, and eating bananas protruding from the performers' vaginas. Fam to family me, fun. Family fun. Yeah. Sounds like something I wouldn't uh, file a lawsuit over. <laughs> Apparently, they, it, th these women weren't comfortable. I was going to say, there must have been some kind of pressure to the situation. The suit claims that Lizzo pressured and goaded 
one of the performers into touching another nude performer's breasts, uh, and that Lizzo deceived them into attending a nude show, thereby robbing them of the choice not to participate. So yeah, that's abuse, sister. God forbid they just get up and walk out. Yeah, right. Well, I, I suppose. One of the defendants claimed that she had no choice but to, quote, soil herself on stage in an excruciating re-audition, fearing the repercussions of excusing herself to go to the restroom. That's a shitty way to go. And then... Lizzo fired this very same defendant on the spot after learning that she had recorded one of their uh, meetings. So not looking good for Lizzo. She's fucked, man. This completely goes against her brand. Like her entire thing yeah. is body positivity and love yourself and, you know, be a good person. But it's blah, not. Blah, 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 it's, blah. it's the same normalization through incrementalization. You know, if you, if you normalize that morbid obesity is okay, then people start, oh, yeah, I guess it's okay and I can eat too and... I mean, the destruction in that way is worse than like the the drug mystique of the rock stars and all that stuff. Yeah. It's it's okay to do this, or it's not okay to be morbidly obese. I agree. I was listening to Tim Dillon talk about this, and he said her her only move to redeem herself is to get super fit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. Al, you got a KFC story for me? I, I, yeah, it's it's not verified for sure, but I, this we're, I'm still looking into sources. But I saw this story on the internet. Uh, it's KFC chained owned restaurant. It's a Taco Bell. So Pepsi. Yeah, Pepsi. Yeah, you're right. This is a Ohio man story. Uh, hits close to home. Actually, very close to this man's home. Mm-hmm. I hope it's true. God, I hope it's true. I hope it's true. Yeah, we still need to look more into this, but the way it's written makes me think it's not bullshit. I'm just going to read here from the uh, little article here. It says, an extraordinary event has taken place in Swanton, Ohio, where a man has been apprehended following a bizarre incident at a local Taco Bell. Late on Sunday night, local authorities responded to a security alarm and found the man within the premises. Surveillance footage showed him breaking into the restaurant, then disturbingly rubbing his testicles on the taco meat. Law enforcement officers apprehended the suspect without incident, identifying him as a 32-year-old local resident. The man, who was reportedly intoxicated, faces charges of burglary, vandalism, public indecency, and criminal damaging or endangering. Taco Bell has not yet released an official statement, but is expected to address the incident soon. It remains unclear what prompted this highly unusual crime. The incident is currently under investigation. Besides alcohol. I love stories like this, though, because there's a radio station here, ESPN 1000, that that has a segment every day, or at least once a week. It's called uh, Ohio Man vs. Florida Man, and they read a story... (laughs) from the news and they have to guess which state the person is from. Cause I feel like you always hear the craziest stories out of those two states, man, with just wild people. The question I have is obviously not defending this guy if it even happened at all, but why public indecency? You break into a place after hours, who are you exposing yourself to? True. But I would think the act of putting your balls into taco meat that people are going to eat affects but the public. Not, but that's not public inde- indecency by description. I just want to know if they're going to come out with a new meal, like, you know, the Testado or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's got that nacho cheese on it, I'll eat it. I'll yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Oh <laughs> that's but yeah, so I, no, no accreditation yet if that's true or not, but I did see it on the internet, so it's got to be true. Oh, yeah. We've been all over the place today. I forgot that I had this. There was a really interesting uh, opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal from Bjorn Lomberg. We've, we've, we've played a couple of his clips uh, okay, yeah, yeah, about yeah. Uh, climate change. Mm-hmm. And if I asked you the question, have wildfires globally increased, stayed the same, or decreased over the last 25 years, what would you think? Uh, I would say the coverage of them has increased, but I have no fucking idea. how. I, we don't deal with fires out here ever, so I'd have no way to like oh. really scope that. Yeah, well, it's interesting because we, we the, in New York right now, well, not right now, but this summer... 
have dealt with wildfires and that's new. Mm-hmm. Canada is burning. That's new. It's been dry in the Midwest and the North, which is not normal. Yeah. Are they talking frequency of fires or severity? They're talking, um, I guess, frequency. Well, the, it's it's total count. Like, like total burned area. Okay. So severity. Yeah, I, I guess else. severity. And isn't this, this year been the, the warmest and driest of any year prior that we've kept on record? Has it? That's that's what I've yeah, been told. I guess told. last last week we had a couple of hottest days worldwide ever. Yeah, and, and so you hear those things, and uh, I th- you know immediately global warming comes into play. But for more than two decades, satellites have recorded fires across the planet's surface. The data is unequivocal. Since the early 2000s, when three percent of the world's land caught on fire yearly, the area burned annually has trended downward. Hmm. To 2022, the last year for which there is complete data. The world hit a new record low of 2.2% burned area. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting because if you'd have told me that, I thought it was the complete opposite. Well, I think a lot of us too, because I have a little bit of knowledge. A buddy of mine now is a firefighter, uh, aerial firefighter, and the technology there has increased. So maybe that has something to do with it. I'm curious to see the 2023 numbers because Canada's fucked. Right. They didn't just lose, you know, a couple hundred acres. But then also California this year, you, you were talking when you were living out there. You said they've you had the most rain ever. So I'd have to imagine their fires had to dip this this dry. Oh season. no 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 no! When you have a ton of rain, it, it's worse for the following fire season. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Why is that? Because way more vegetation grows and then dries out. Oh, and so now you have, and, and, and they don't do a really good job of clearing the, so a long, long time ago, uh, environmentalists in California, for very good reason, you know, put in a, a lot of restrictions for logging. You can't cut out a ton of California forests. Fine. That's, that's great. However, those loggers, those people you work in the forest would clear out a ton of brush. So when fires happened, they were less severe, less likely to grow. And wow, that makes a lot of sense. Forest. So now that they're not doing that, uh, all the growth in the forest, when especially when it's a particularly rainy winter, the next fire season become, you know, you basically just have a bunch of mash sticks everywhere. So as soon as there's a spark or as soon as huh. something catches on fire, then it's so much wow. kindling. Um, yeah, so it's it's super counterintuitive and, and you would think like, oh yeah, everything's wet. No, not at all. It dries out real quickly in California. I, I just thought that I just thought that was just. I don't know that it means anything. Like you said, you know, that technology is increased. We know we've been burning fires forever or, or fighting fires forever. We can better control how much fire spreads. Mm-hmm. Um, but once a fire starts, I mean, talk to anybody who who knows what they're doing out there. You can't control a wildfire. At I think all. the whole technique of using fires fires to fight fires, like the saying, use fire to fight fire. But it, it's true. They'll often start a fire away from a fire so the two meet and and negate at that point and oh, interesting to spread yeah it, it, the whole thing's um totally off topic your friend are you, you were raised catholic is that correct yes sir okay so three of us um are you um mourning the passing of the patron saint of palm sunday Wee herman died this week <laughs> <laughs> that he did that yes, he did he i don't know much about the man i uh, mm-hmm. i think it's unfortunate that the first thing that comes to my head to my mind was that he was some sort of pedo i don't even know that that's true but i, know when I hear pb herman i think off in a adult it, movie theater yeah yep that wasn't butter on his popcorn <laughs> jesus jesus but i mean isn't that what you're supposed to do in an adult movie theater <laughs> you would think <laughs> right yeah i mean you would think what else would people go there to do I mean, that's not a good look, but... God, what a job that would be to have to clean. I feel bad for the people that have to clean up regular movie theaters. <laughs> Jesus Christ, those people got to go. Oh, my God. And if you're sent there on a, on a mission from Jehovah's Witness, that'd be an uphill battle to, to try to convert people there. <laughs> uh, I bet you they don't even clean it. <laughs> you don't, yeah. What a visual. At that point, or like but, once a week. Yeah, make sure you wear the right shoes, you know, skid-resistant shoes, because you're going all over the place. <laughs> 
On that note, uh, <laughs> I think we should call her. Your boys got to go pay the bills. Uh, Jim, Mabe, really appreciate you being here, man. I was really excited when uh, Al told me you were in town and, and wanted to join us. This was, it was fun. a pleasure. I watched I watched you guys not just because of the uh, you know the nepotism involved here, but because of, <laughs> I think you guys uh, interesting kind of, uh, perspectives both of you have when you agree and disagree, and that it's uh, and when I've disagreed with you, at least I'm getting an a, a opposing viewpoint that I respect. And so I, thanks, I thank you for having me. I appreciate you saying that, Jimmy. Uh, if you want to reach out to us. You can send us an email at bummerdude.media at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram and or TikTok at FriendshipNH, Friendship News Hour, and Twitter at FriendshipNH. Uh, and that's our show. We'll see you next time. <laughs>